This is Queen Victoria. Welcome to the Murder Lab, where I don't just discuss one serial killer, I discuss several serial killers and something they have in common. I will be continuing the Families That Killed Together series, and this time I will cover the Benders, also known as the Bloody Benders of Kansas. But before I jump into that, I'd like to thank Igor for his assistance with research and everything else. With his assistance, I was able to get some merch into the raffles for the Mary Krampus out of Columbus. Make sure you check that out. The event, the Mary Krampus event has already happened, but you can still go to their page and see all the different artists that contributed and you can purchase some of the art. I checked it out and I bought some Christmas gifts. There's some really cool stuff there. You can go to Facebook and go to the Mary Krampus page and scroll through. You can also go to theroastedthumb.com. And there's also the Roasted Thumb on Etsy. So they have a bunch of different vendors, a bunch of different artists that you can buy products for and support. So once again, I would like to thank them for letting me put some of the Murder Lab merch into the raffle baskets. And hopefully they had a great turnout for that. They were um, raising money for the colony cats and dogs. Speaking of merch, I now have refrigerator magnets and stickers. I also hand painted some ornaments. I only have a few of those left. If you would like to purchase some, you can go to the Murder Lab Facebook page and message me on there or post on there that you'd like an ornament. Or you can email me at murderlabmedia at gmail.com and let me know you would like one. Make sure to always spread the word. So if you like what you see at the Roasted Thumb, share, share. And any specific artist, make sure you share the love and remind, tell everybody to go check them out. And make sure you tell everybody to check out Murder Lab. We do have more merch on the way. I'm working on t-shirts and car magnets and some other goodies. So make sure you stay tuned to check that out. I was going to do a combined episode covering the benders and the beans, mostly for the alliteration because that's fun. But the thing is, there's so much information on the benders and there's so much information on the beans just out of like one book <laughs> that uh, I decided to split them up. So we'll, I'll do the benders this time and I'll do the beans next time. And the beans is Sonny Bean and his family. But in today's episode... I will discuss the benders, and I will warn you, there will probably be some Futurama references because we watch Futurama all the time, and I cannot get Bender out of my head. This episode sounds like fun on a bun. So I'm going to start off by going over the basics of what is the bare bones of what is known about the benders, and then I will get into more detail according to uh, my book source. So the Benders are from around 1870, and it's hard to tell what all is the truth and what is not the truth, being from that time period. So the story goes, there were four Benders. There was John Bender and his wife, and then there were two kids that were older, John and Kate. They moved to Kansas and started a grocery store slash inn, which consisted of, it was one cabin. So they constructed a cabin. They bought this land, constructed a cabin. This is in the middle of nowhere, but it's along the main road that a lot of traver travelers would go through. They built a cabin with a corral and they have a barn and a well. What they did was they put a canvas to be a partition in the room so that way the one 
one room would become two rooms. The front room would be the small grocery store that had a table, and that was where that was where people could eat or rest. They could buy their groceries. And then behind the canvas, that was the living quarters. So they had a bed and another table and like a chair. So it was very modest. Well, soon after they showed up, some people started to disappear. The brother of a senator, and he was also had a brother that was a lawyer, he disappeared. And that's when the benders got on people's radar. Because even though people were disappearing, they weren't necessarily pointing at the benders. There wasn't anything obviously connecting them. So they went and checked out the the Bender's place and they realized they had disappeared and then they found a trap door that had blood in it and then on their property they dug up a bunch of people and then they disappeared. So some of the details that seem to be pretty commonplace is there's John Bender Sr. The property was about 150 or 160 acres. It was located directly on the Osage Mission Independence Trail that operated from Independence to Fort Scott. When they were choosing land, his son chose a narrow piece of land just north of his father's, but he never lived on it and he never developed anything on it. It's like he chose it as a buffer. It is said that John Sr. was German and had a very thick accent. He was really hard to understand. The wife was apparently also kind of difficult to understand. And John laughed a lot. I don't know. So the friendliest of them was the daughter, Kate, who was a self-proclaimed healer and psychic. And she would conduct seances. And that was another way of luring luring people in with her skills, both being attractive and with her supernatural powers. John Sr., and John Jr. showed up at the same time together. They figured John Sr. was probably about 60 years old and Jr. was about 25 years old. Then later on, the women showed up. And that's the ma, the wife, and then also Kate. So the ma might have been about 55 and Kate might have been 23. Now, I keep saying the ma because as we'll get into it, I'm not 100% sure what her name actually was. In this version, she's Elvira. And she was known as, quote, a she-devil. So apparently she was not terribly friendly to anyone. That gives you the gist of the Bender story. Those are the bare bones, as I said. My main reference is On the Trail of the Benders by Peter Netzel. What I love about this book is that it takes newspaper articles from the time period. And it just has them basically in order. So there's no opinion there's no of the author the author basically just has an opening where he explains an intro where he explains a little bit about the benders and then basically and then he just lets you read for yourself all the different news articles and then you kind of can inform opinions yourself i'm going to focus on that i will end up doing more on them because there are but there are several other books it seems like Several of the other books are more like fictionalized versions, so I'm not sure if you're looking for evidence and facts. I'm not sure that's the best thing to look for. I will probably read these other books and then compare what is in the fictionalized accounts as opposed to what is what is in nonfiction accounts and articles and that kind of thing. So, but in this episode, I want to focus on mostly this book and the different newspaper articles. And then I'll go into a little bit about some other stuff that I found in research between Igor and myself in our references. So starting from a New York article from May 13th, 1873, they apparently thought the mom was in charge. May 29th, 1873, in an Illinois newspaper, they said Kate had a bad reputation. I find it interesting that in 
the Missouri paper, in a Missouri paper, November 5th, 1889, they said the Benders had a small boy that disappeared. So they also had another son, and he disappeared. That is the only place I saw any kind of reference to that in this, in any of these news articles in this book, or actually in even anything else that I looked at. So that's weird, and I'm not sure where they got that. August 24th, 1908, in an Illinois paper, they say William Bender, age 60, wife was 55, Kate was 25, and John was 23. So he's not known as John, he's known as William Bender. And then in a New Mexico paper, May 5th, 1910, they say William again, and it's interesting because they do list those same exact ages. So they have William is 60, the wife is 55, Kate 25, John 23, and neither one of them lists the wife's name. Now to get into the person that disappeared that really brought everything falling down around them, Dr. William York had been traveling when he disappeared. Now in May 8, 1873, a Kansas paper said that he disappeared on the 8th, May 13th, A New York paper says that he disappeared on the 9th, and on May 6th, 1890, a paper in Texas said that he disappeared on the 11th. So the only thing that we can say is he disappeared probably between the 8th and 11th of May. I would tend to think that the Kansas paper would would be more likely to have an accurate date because it happened there, but you never know. So it's funny to see that as the further away you get and the further in time, the further the date gets that he disappeared. An Illinois paper on May 29th, 1873 says that there was actually a detective named Detective Henry Beers. That's right, Beers, B-E-E-R-S. So in a story about the Benders, there's a man named Beers. Another Futurama joke. Most of the references have the house being 16 by 24 feet, though there is one article that says it was 18 by 20 feet, and that's the only place that I saw that, and that was from an Illinois paper in 1908, so I'm not sure where they got those measurements. What they, the papers do say is they had a white cloth that separated the house, as I had stated. The back bedroom had a bed, a table, a stove, three chairs, and there was a trap door. So that's another thing that's basically not disputed is the trap door. The picture that it paints is they would have a traveler come in. They would, he would sit at the table to eat or to have his palms read or, you know, whatever from Kate. And while she had him distracted, one of the men would bash him in the head with a hammer and then they'd put him in the trap door and slit his throat and take his money and then at night they would go and bury the body hence the trap door and the white cloth separation to add to that story there is a may 29th 1873 kansas story where there were a dozen bullet holes in the walls and roof so apparently they weren't always catching their victims unawares. Apparently, sometimes they fought back. There is another article that says that there were bullet holes, and it adds there was dried blood on the mattress. One article, which came out right about the time that it was discovered, and it was a Kansas article, it said that the pit was, the, the pit under the trapdoor, was a foot deep and a foot and a half wide. And I don't know how that could be a thing, because a foot's like nothing. When you're like trying to hide a body... And so I'm thinking that, I don't know if that was a typo or if someone just wasn't thinking straight. I don't know. Uh, Maybe they, I would say they stonehenged it, but that would just be one inch and not one foot. So I'm not sure what's going on with that. More common was the measurement of six feet deep by five feet in diameter. And that it was bloody. There were some sources that, most of it just said that there was a trapdoor. And they do agree that it would be near the table, 
But one article said that it was under the bed, which doesn't make sense to me because I think that would be difficult to have under the bed because then you'd have to move the bed anytime you wanted to put someone in there. And I don't think that would be terribly efficient. But I mean, I guess the bed probably wasn't terribly big and maybe it would it would be hidden better under a bed. So at this point, we have Dr. William York disappears. Beers and his buddies search through the house. They find it empty. They find the canvas. They find the trap door. They find the pit underneath it. Once they find that trap door and they see blood and they figure there's probably bodies somewhere, but I don't know. They look all through the house and they didn't see anything. Well, then someone noticed a piece of ground that looked disrupted. They dig and they find Dr. York. In the Kansas article, when everything started to come out, according to that, his head was indented to the point where his eye had been pushed out. He was just in an undershirt and he wasn't too de decomposed. So they obviously, they could tell right away who it was and it was obvious his head had been bashed. In an article from New York, a few days after the Kansas article, they say the corpse was face down, quote, the flesh dropped off limbs, but you could still see his face to make out that it was Dr. York. So I like how it got, they, they got really, the other one was like, he's not too de decomposed. But this one, I mean, they didn't mention the eye was out. But this, I like the New York one was the flesh dropped off the limbs. They found Dr. York deed. And so they kept digging. According to the May 8, 1873 Kansas newspaper article, six people were found, including one kid. And then they found three more graves and some of the people were naked. A few days later, the, a New York paper identified that there were eight people found. The Kansas paper, there's a total of nine, including a kid. The New York paper says there were eight people, and they gave some names. Launcher and his 18-month-old daughter, W.F. McCarthy, D. Brown, and John Geary. So they have specific names, and they mention this man with his 18-month-old child. The same day that that New York article came out, there was an article in Washington, D.C., where it says the girl, a girl was buried alive. So the little girl, what they did is all of the other bodies seem to have those same indentations in their head like they had been crushed, but the little girl was not touched. So it seemed as though they just dumped her in the grave with the dad and buried her alive. So the girl's buried alive, and then they found had three more graves had been found. That same exact information was also in an Oregon newspaper a couple days later. So I find it interesting when you have news articles that are very obviously getting information from each other and not changing things. So that's kind of an interesting detail. At the end of that month, an Illinois paper reported that 10 graves were found. An Idaho paper in August said that the benders had killed 10 to 11 people. In Ohio in August, there was possibly another burying ground found. I've only seen things about those nine bodies that were found, and I haven't seen anything about another burying ground, so I'm not sure what that is, unless that's their way of saying, like, that six were found and then they found three more. I'm not sure exactly, or if it's just a sen maybe a sensational thing or misinformation, or they got the details wrong. Four years later, in Louisiana, they reported that nine people were murdered. In South Dakota, in 1880, they claim that there were ten murders... Virginia, 1889, so now we're nine years after that, there are 18 to 20 more victims murdered over 18 months. So the total goes from 1873, we have nine people. And then by 1889, it said that there were 18 to 20 people. So, and they're in all different states. So that's what I think is interesting is like, is that the further you get from the event, 
is the more things seem to get blown up or misinterpreted, I guess. Another thing that's interesting is in 1889, a Missouri article said that Dr. York was with his five-year-old son and they were found in the grave together. So that's something because... As we know from articles closer to the time, it was Lochner and his 18-month-old daughter. It wasn't York and his five-year-old son. So that's a new detail that I don't know where that came from. I don't know if it's a case of, again, like maybe garbling your facts, like getting them reversed, or maybe, you know, the game of telephone, maybe something like that. In 1890, in Texas, there's an article that says 37 people were murdered between 1872 and 1873, and that included a man and his 18-month-old daughter. So now here we are, and that's just a year after the article that said that there were 18 to 20 victims. In 1901, it said, there's an article from Pennsylvania that said, the body of one of the York children was found buried alive, and that there were 15 bodies. So again, there's another paper that says something about a York child, and not sure where they got that, but we see that perpetuation of of information, even though I'm not sure where the ultimate source for that came from. In 1908, so keep in mind this happened in, they were discovered in 1873. So by 1908 in Illinois, the daughter that was buried alive is now seven years old. So they said they found the body of Lochner and his seven-year-old daughter was buried alive. So now she's seven instead of 18 months old. In New Mexico in 1910, they go back to saying, okay, there were nine bodies. And in California, the same day, an article comes out that says there were 12 bodies. <laughs> so it's funny how even like in 1910, it seems like they're starting to get back to, okay, hold on now. Let's ring this in. What's the real thing? The real thing is nine bodies. But then California <laughs> is like, no, there were 12. So it's still, there's that, that inconsistency in that. As for the weapons that were used, when it actually happened... In Kansas, an article says that they would be hit in the head with a hammer and then have their throat cut with a knife. Now, they did find three hammers, so that does seem to have been the weapon of choice. There's actually even the hammers that were found are in a museum in Kansas right now. So hammers and knife, or, you know, having their throat cut. In 1883, so 10 years later in Nebraska, an article says that they would use the head of an axe to hit them, bash the victim on the head. In Texas in 1890, it says that they would strike them with an axe or a hatchet. But by 1908 in Illinois, they're back to the hammers. So for a little bit, some people were claiming that it was an axe. And then we got back to the hammers. This I find particularly funny. In 1873, when it all happened, when everything started to come out, in Washington, D.C., a newspaper article said that there were 3,000 people that came to spectators, that came to see what was going on and just kind of rubberneck and all that. Well... And an Oregon newspaper at that same time period said, like, literally, okay, three days apart. So we have May 13th in Washington, D.C., 3,000 people showed up to see what's up. Three days later, May 16th, an Oregon paper said that 30,000 people were there. So that's, again, I don't know, since that's maybe they, I don't know if they tacked on a zero to make it more sensational or if it was just another, like, oh, I accidentally typed in too many zeros. They meant to type 3,000, they accidentally typed 30,000. 30, so that's uh, that's quite a difference in a number of people. In Missouri, on in November of 1889, they said that so people wanted souvenirs, so they started to take anything they could from the land, even corn that was there. 1908 in Illinois, 
It said that there were 200 people there the next day. So it wasn't completely clear what the time frame was where when 3,000 people were there and the 30,000 people. I think it's funny that it's like 200, 3,000, 30,000. I don't know. There are a lot of people. Unless they were like 200 the next day, 3,000 pe people there a couple days later, and then by the end of the week there were 30,000. Who knows? So when the vendors got wind of everything that was going down, they ran away. In the Kansas paper around that time, it was said that they bought tickets to Humboldt. And Kate had told the people that she would help them and use her psychic powers, but she ran away. May 29th in Illinois, it claims it said that both Kate and John offered to help before they ran away. In 1875 in an Ohio paper, this guy said he was Bender. And he claimed he went to Kansas, from Kansas to Texas. They were separated. Then he went to New Mexico, from New Mexico to Arizona. There are several people that are thought to be Bender that are arrested. Shut up, baby. I know it. Accomplices. They figured there had to be some kind of accomplices or somebody that knew something that was happening, especially the people whose land abutted the other, the Bender's land. Even though, you know, with all those acres, they couldn't really see anything that was going on. So the neighbor Brockman was suspected of helping. In the 1873 New York paper article, it says that he was hanged three times but cut down. So they would basically hang him up, cut him down, and try to get him to confess. Hang him up, cut him down. So it's like waterboarding, only with a noose. But they let him live and he never confessed anything. But in an Illinois paper, it says that they hung him until he died. So that's another interesting uh, switch in details. A Maryland paper said that Nicholas Morin or Marion was arrested as a suspect. And then in Utah, the very same information was reported, except they added the detail that apparently he committed suicide. Some nicknames given by the media at this time. In Kansas, they called it the Devil's Kitchen and later the Murder Farm. In a California paper, the Cal California paper was the one that also said the 30,000 spectators. They said the famous axe woman, referring to Kate. So that gave me a double take because I didn't see any place else where Kate was the one who was wielding the weapon. And again, like it was hammers. So here we see this axe out of nowhere. So there's axe in everything else. They're pretty much saying that the men were the one that actually, well, the men would hit the, hit the victim over the head and that the women would slit the throat. And they all agreed that Kate's the one who probably lured everybody there because she was the most pleasant one of them all. So I find it interesting that Kate's the famous axe woman. And I don't really know that there's anything that proves that. But as I do more research, maybe I will see. And then I will let you know. But I find that interesting. It's Kate, the famous ex-woman. And it also says she was the only one of the sextet to escape. Now, a sextet isn't only just an exciting Saturday afternoon. It means that there were six people. And there were only four benders. So I'm really confused that just tells me that California just was like, hey, we're just going to take this and run with it and just say whatever the fuck we want to say. There was supposedly a German couple murdered, as reported in a Missouri paper in 1873. And now it looks like people, you know how it is, is uh, hindsight. You look back at things when you have the information now and then you're like, oh, you know what? That kind of ties into what the Benders did. So that was probably the Benders. And then there's a woman who claims that, she, that they had uh, threatened her with a knife or something and she ran away and got away. And so then you have those stories of people who say that, that they survived the thing. And maybe they did. It's, you know, it's possible. Then you never know if maybe it's uh, 
wanting to get attention or what. But uh, the woman claimed that she visited and survived was in the uh, Kansas paper in 1873, right about the time things were coming out. To get on to the uh, arrests and, uh, and all of the shenanigans, they thought John Jr. and Kate were arrested in Maryland. A Maryland paper reported June 6, 1873, that they thought the John Jr. and Kate were arrested. Then in, on June 24th, it's thought all four of them were possibly arrested because they got a man and woman who were both in their 60s, a man who was 27, a woman who was 23, and they were claiming their name was Hyde. And this was in a Virginia paper. By July in Missouri, it's reported that a bunch of men were suspected as John and were arrested. Then in Idaho by August, it says no, not, no one's been captured and they possibly went to Texas. So within the span of like a couple of months, in one summer, son and daughter were caught, all four were caught, a bunch of men they thought where John was caught to no one was caught. <laughs> so... So apparently, even though they were arresting people, at that point, they couldn't prove that any of them were actually the real benders. In September, a New York paper said that a man thought to be the elder bender was seen in New York. Then in there was a South Carolina paper and a Tennessee paper that reported the exact same story. December, in Virginia paper, says that the bender mom and dad were in custody and that the son and daughter were in New York, going by Webb. A couple days later in Illinois, a paper reported that they were... No one had been arrested. They were traced to Mexico. But since there was no extradition treaty, no one had an incentive to risk kidnapping them to bring them back for justice. In Idaho, now we're into the spring of 1874 in April. They think they have Bender Sr., April 9th in Utah, this Bender guy that they found, and I quote, he looks mean enough. So he looked mean enough to be the Bender that would do all these things. So, you know, that's uh, that's proof, right? The younger Bender was thought to be found. There was a woman who was almost naked seen stealing clothes and food that they thought might be Mrs. Bender, but she escaped. They thought maybe they were living in the woods and hiding in the woods. April 10th in New York, they possibly arrested the whole family. In Missouri, April 17th, old man Bender was arrested in Salt Lake City. An Ohio article also reported that same news. In Illinois, a couple days later, it was reported that the man that was arrested, they're not sure if it's Bender because he has two fingers missing. And I quote, old Bender only had one missing. So I think that's one of my favorite things is we don't think this guy could be him because he doesn't have enough fingers missing. Like, he has fingers missing, just not enough fingers missing. But then again, we have to think this is late 1870s. Life was beyond rough. So really, I think it's probably not too unusual if dudes be missing fingers. So good on ya. You still had 80 of your fingers. And that's the only time that I saw any reference of John or William Bender having missing fingers. So that's an interesting detail. It'll be interesting to see if, uh, as I keep reading, if that detail pops up again. So we go from April 30th, 1874, in Illinois paper, to February 13th, 1875, an Illinois paper says that Bender's thought found in Arizona. An Ohio paper reports the same detail, except they add that he calls himself Henry Deutschmiller, and he escaped for four days on the 17th, and it might or might not be Bender. A California paper confirms those details about escaping on the 17th for four days and were captured, but they add the detail, and I quote, there's no mistake about his being Bender. So Ohio's not so sure. California, oh, they know for show. 
All those same details are confirmed in a March 2nd Minnesota article. By March 19th in Ohio, there is an article saying that he confessed he's Bender, but says his son and daughter did it. In Arizona, there is a big old long thing about his confession that actually shows this guy's confession and has the details of him claiming that he's Bender. So the way it goes is he confesses his name's Henry Deutschmiller, born in Germany in 1820. He's 54 years old. He came to New York in 1846 for three years, moved to Pennsylvania for five years. He was a shoemaker. And here I will interject for those of you in the know. Joseph Callinger was a serial killer that happened to be a shoemaker. So I find that kind of interesting. If this was actually John Bender, the serial killer, it's kind of funny that he was a shoemaker like Joseph Callinger. He goes on to say that he was not married. He went to Maryland. He joined a Methodist church. He says he was, and I quote, a strong temperance man and a devout Christian. He went to Missouri for five weeks, got sick, said he never lived in Kansas, Said he had a sister in New York. He stayed in Kansas for a short while, three to four miles from Cherryvale, and he was known as John Bender there. When the family was separated, they agreed to go by Deutschmiller, and then he blamed the kids for everything. So that's a lot right there. The same information was stated in a Missouri article in Arizona about the same time. They say that guy's probably is Bender. There's an article that I don't understand from Texas in October of that year that's basically scolding people for pretending to have information about the Bender case that doesn't have the information. <laughs> May 19th of 1876, two women were arrested, according to a North Dakota paper. In Louisiana, January of 1877, it's claimed someone claims that all the Benders were killed by a mob and sunk in a pond. A couple months later... In Nebraska, Detective Beer has George Kiefer, Mrs. Kiefer, Philip, and Tally Kiefer arrested. They're found in Arkansas. Kate resisted arrests, and the dude going by George says he's a men member of the legislature of Wisconsin. May 12th in Vermont, there was a tramp that said he saw something on the property where he was near, he was like sleeping near the Bender property. He saw someone burying something. He told someone they formed a posse, but then they were gone and they tried to follow him and didn't catch them. There's another guy in Minnesota. He says that he knew them. Then in 1880 in South Dakota, they report that in Nebraska, the man is Bender. The woman was his wife and was the head of the crime, she confessed to 10 murders, but said she didn't do it, Bender and Kate did it. So basically, everybody thought the white woman was in charge of the family, and she did say that there were 10 murders, but that basically it was her husband and daughter that did it. Then she mentioned something about Bender's mom, but it turns out that might actually be an alias she went by, which... <laughs> That hurts my brain. Although I guess in uh, the Northcotts, who, uh, Gordon Stewart Northcott, supposedly there was a moment when his mom pretended to be his aunt and that her nephew was actually her son. So I don't know, maybe that's a thing when you're a, a con man or fraudulent that it's just fun to go by all kinds of different things and play different members of each other's family. I don't know. These people were going by McGregor. And she claims that was Bender's name when they got married. And that this paper says that that all seems true. In Nebraska, three years later, there were about 100 families at that point. There were about 100 families that had been reported to be the Benders. So I think, I think you see where we're going with this, is that so far there's not, not been anything where it's actually, without a doubt, they kidnapped any of the Benders. And at this point, this is 10 years. In Nebraska, 
it said that they had followed the benders to Thayer, Kansas. The benders took the LLNG rail to New Chicago, sold tickets to, they were sold tickets to Chiptopa, Kansas. They were caught up and killed by the Honorable William Wright and S.S. Peterson, who were deputy, was a deputy U.S. marshal, along with Cor- Colonel York and Sheriff Stone. So apparently, according to this, somebody claims that these four men actually caught up and killed the benders. And that includes Colonel York was Dr. York's brother. So that's one That's one claim. One of the many. <laughs> January 21st, 1887, a man said that they were hanged and that Kate was shot. And that was confirmed by a nearby farmer in a Minnesota paper. Washington, D.C., 1889, Eliza Davis in Michigan might be Mrs. Bender. So now here we go down a rabbit hole. In Kentucky, 1889, they have Mrs. Almira Monroe and daughter Miss Eliza Davis of Michigan that might be the Benders. They were assisted in the search by Mrs. Frances McCann, whose dad was killed by Bender. Almira was 70, Eliza was 45, and had a three-year-old daughter. Sheriff Dick, (laughs) I'm sorry, but you got a Dick, you got Detective Beer and Sheriff Dick, I mean... I don't know how I'm not going to laugh. I mean, this is a good story. Got Bender, Dick and Beer, the trifecta. So in Indiana, October 31st, 1889, they have Miss Elmira Monroe and Eliza Davis. They're pretty sure are the Bender women. Kentucky, they report that Davis might be the daughter. In Missouri, they go on to add more details to the specific situation, except they call Frances McCann, Mrs. Allen McGann. Although later in the article, they switch it to McCann. So I think the first one must have been a typo. Her father was John Sanford, who was killed in Canada 24 years ago by the Benders. She met a sick woman, and the sick woman told her when she realized that her name was McCann that she had killed her dad. Because the woman was on her deathbed, and she's like, you know, I just want you to know I killed your dad. But then she got better and disappeared. McCann was obviously looking for her to try to get some kind of justice. They have Monroe being 65, Eliza being 40, and she has a couple of small kids. So if you remember, in the another article, in the Kentucky article, it said that Elmira was 70, Eliza was 45, and had one three-year-old daughter. So again, there's some, some things that are a little different. They claim that, that the old bender drowned himself in Michigan four years ago. And that's the article that said that they also had a small boy that disappeared. A couple days later, a Virginia, a Virginia paper said that Mr. Cabley was constable of Havana Township, Montgomery County, and says they were exterminated. So here we have another person coming forward saying that the benders were killed. The next year in, 19, in 1890, they mentioned that... So Jack Collins comes forward and says the family was last in Texas. They had taken the Missouri, Kansas, and Texas rail, stopped at Caddo, went 15 to 20 miles further and camped. They were 75 miles west of Denison, Texas. And they mentioned Detective Beers. And then they mentioned that 12 years before, there were some women in Michigan thought to be them, but were innocent. And this is a Texas paper that reported that. The next year in Michigan, in July, it is reported that Thomas Doolittle said that they found an old woman at the Benders. She confessed they hung Bender wife and son from the kitchen rafters. Kate cried out, so they shot her, and they buried them all near the farm. So we have an account of a dude saying that when, while everybody else was saying that they were gone when they went to the farm, this dude's saying they were not, that they found them and hung them from the kitchen rafters and that Katie got shot. In 1901, there are four people that say they are old man Bender in Colorado. 
That's according to a Washington paper. Later that year, in Pennsylvania, E.T. Pierce, or Dodd, an old and reliable Indian scout, his friend confessed to killing the Benders. He claimed there were 24 people in the posse, and there's a whole thing. And so they've got a big old story about how they were the one that killed the Benders. In Kansas in 1904, there is a Native American that saw a posse drown them in quicksand, and that was from a Kansas paper. A month later, in a Washington paper, they say that Joe Monaghan herded cattle for 25 years and then died in Oregon, but was actually Kate Bender. <laughs> and they do say there's no proof. So there's a story that this guy named Joe Monaghan lived for 25 years in this in Oregon herding cattle. Turns out it was Kate. You never know. I mean, why not? To... Four years later, in Kansas, they said that the Benders were killed by five men, including George Evans Downer. Then in Illinois that year, they, they repeat that same story. Two years later, in California, there's an article that says there was a Mrs. Peters, who was Kate, who was a friend of Jack Collins, and she had confessed to him. Jack Collins continues to make the news. So it starts in California. Then New Mexico reports that same day that Jack Collins said Mrs. Gavin or Mrs. Peters, and I quote, was conducting a resort of ill repute, told him she went to Chicago, New York, San Francisco, and was a nurse that married John Gavin, who was a whaler. And 10 or 15 years later, she began a life of shame. So, so I like these stories about Kate. She's either a cattle herder that passes a man for years or she was a nurse that married a whaler and became the madam of a brothel. Either way, she uh, she was kind of badass. I mean, she was doing her own thing, if that was her. <laughs> Obviously, both of those people can't be her. Well, there's more about uh, details about Collins, and then he includes that she married Middleton in a California paper. So in another article in California, there's even more details about Kate. And then in Utah, there's an article where Jack Collins says that Kate tried to have him killed because she told him the story and she was worried he was going to squeal that she led the life of shame after her divorce from Gavin. And that's pretty much where the articles peter out is about 1910. That's when the book stops. And I mean, if you'll see from 1873 to 1910, there are still no official reports that they found benders. So the benders were never officially found. So as many times as they were sure they had them, never was proven. So some people really think that the two women, Almira and Eliza, actually were the bender women and that they were related. Well, we'll get into that. That is the whole gist of the book. So I basically went through every single one of the articles and compared what they were saying and as I said it was interesting to see like bouncing around the country what the news was and and all the different people who they thought they caught and it was a fun adventure. So in other sources looking at different articles in Sitch there was one that said that Ma Bender also claimed to be a medium who could speak with the dead and boiled herbs and roots and declared she could use a cast use it to cast charms or wicked spells. So I hadn't really seen anything else where Ma Bender had claimed to be anything. I just saw that Kate was the one who was supposed to be like a psychic. There is a claim that only the only ones related were Ma and Kate Bender. So that's another big thing is they may not have been family. It may have just been the mom and daughter that were family, and that mom, Paul Bender, might not have been married. And there's also reports that supposedly Kate and John, the son and daughter, actually were not brother and sister and that they were married as well. So there's all kinds of stories. I didn't really find anything definitively that said either way. It just seemed like most likely 
the mother and daughter were related. I did see something where Kate and her brother John often attended Sunday school. So they were accepted into the community, which is interesting if true. So as far as the names. So as I said, in these newspaper articles, it kept calling him William. And then everything else just was calling him Bender or Old Bender or the Elder Bender or Bender. <laughs> Elder Bender or Bender Sr. I have one reference that says, John and Kate Bender, along with their two adult children, also named John and Kate. So in that instance, both women were named Kate and both men were named John. Another source says both women called themselves Kate. Another one says just as Ma Bender and daughter Kate. Another one says Ma. So there's quite a few sources that I looked at that never even gave the wife a name. It was just Ma Bender, Ma and Pa Bender. Most likely, most everything seems to call him John and John and then John Jr. and Kate. That doesn't seem to change too much. It's usually just the name of the mother. I find it interesting that when I was reading on the Trail of the Benders, that only the bodies that were they dug up were mentioned. And then some other near close calls that people claim they had. And Igor's research divulged that there was a body found May 1871. A body was found in Drum Creek with his skull beaten in and his throat cut. I did find another source that said in May of 1871, the body of a man named Jones was discovered in Drum Creek. His head had been bashed in his throat cut. Suspicion fell on the owner of the claim where Jones's body was found. But the level of proof never rose above suspicion. In that same reference she had, it said in February of 1872, two more bodies were found with the same injuries. And I did find confirmation that in February of 1872, a blizzard socked southeastern Kansas. After the thaw, the bodies of two men were found, but their heads been bashed and their throats cut. So later, a neighbor claimed to have seen Paul Bender driving the man's wagon. So it's possible that there were three other victims found that were not on the property that apparently there was in Drum Creek and then it doesn't say where exactly the other bodies were found. But that is compelling if that's true that there were other victims that had their heads bashed in the throat cut. Some different details as to the actual the bodies that were found. There's a couple things that mention that there were also numerous dismembered body parts found in, in addition to whole bodies. There was one that said um a body was found in the well, that Johnny Boyle's body was found in the well, and that four other bodies with crushed skulls and slit throats were found outside the property in Drum Creek and on the surrounding prairie. So that lists, in, like, five other people. So no wonder the numbers were all over the place. I found a source that said, The little girl was probably eight years of age and had long sunny hair and some traces of beauty on a countenance that was not yet entirely disfigured by decay. One arm was broken. The breastbone had been driven in. The right knee had been wrenched from its socket and the leg doubled up under the body. Keep in mind, the little girl was most likely 18, 18 months old. And there was nothing else from that specific time period that said anything about the girl being seven or eight until way until years later. So I'm thinking it's most likely the 18-month-old the baby. And nothing had really said that about an arm being broken that I that I read. And I think it's interesting that in this, they are going on, they're not just going on about how oh, she's eight and she had this hair, this long, beautiful hair and she had been abused. And so I feel like that's probably a lot of license that they took there. Again, I will be doing more research. So I'll let you know if I come upon anything that makes that reasonable, but I am doubting it. There's also a mention somewhere that there were signs of general mutilation. And I only saw that in one place. So I'm also leery on that one. And again, there are more stories of travelers that were saying they got a narrow escape. Uh, one named William Pickering. He said he refused to sit with his back to the canvas because of its disgusting stains. Kate threatened him with a knife. 
and he ran away. There was a, also a Catholic priest that said he had fled when he saw a Bender, Bender man concealing a large hammer. Now, to get into the true identities, some say that Paul Bender was actually a man named John Flickinger from either Germany or Holland. He allegedly committed suicide in 1884 in Lake Michigan, but others believe that Ma and Kate murdered him because he had ran away with all this shit that they had taken from their victims. Ma Bender was born Almira Meek in the Adirondacks and married as a teenager to a man named George Griffith. She had 12 of his kids, including Kate, when he died. Some said of a, quote, bad a place on his head, resembling a dent that might be made with a hammer. She reportedly remarried several times, killing those husbands too, as well as three of her older children, so they could not testify against her. John Jr. was actually found to have been a man named John Gebhardt, and there was a detective that said that he had traced Gebhardt to the outlaw country along the Texas-New Mexico border, and that he had died of apoplexy. Kate was the fifth child of Ma Bender and was born as Eliza Griffith. At some point, she married and went by the name of Sarah Eliza Davis. Supposedly, she was a prostitute while she was at the Bender End. I found three or four sources that claim that that is the actual truth. So I don't know if that's actually 100% true, but supposedly Paul Bender was John Flick Flickinger, Mom Bender was Omira Meek or Griffith, and her daughter was Kate, Eliza, and then John Jr. was actually John Gebhardt. The barrel site was christened Hell's Half Acre, and they were also known as the Hellbenders, which... Of course, there are books about them by both of those names, and I own both of those books, and I have yet to read them. Those are two that seem like they're more fictionalized accounts I will be reading and reporting back to you on. I did find an article that said that the Benderland was up for sale in February of 2020. The house and stuff that were on there was on the property is not there anymore, and I have not did not find that anybody had bought it yet. So that's uh, that's pretty much the Benders, and I got through it without too many Futurama references, so I'm proud of that. Next time I will go over the Beans, Sonny Bean, to continue the Families That Murdered Together series. Make sure you keep an eye on the Facebook and Instagram page for Murder Lab because I do have more merch coming out. I will be having updates and all kinds of fun stuff. And make sure you share with your friends. Tell your friends all about it, people that you don't like, whatever. Just tell everybody. It don't matter. Just share. Share the Murder Lab love. You can find us on Google Play and iTunes. For the RSS feed to plug into your favorite podcast app, you can go to murderlabmedia.com. Once again, I would like to thank Igor, my socially distant assistant and immoral support. And I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. Thank you for entering the lab. Shut up, baby, I know it. <laughs>